It's playoff time, and the two teams picked by many to make it to the big game are in Vegas for the championship. And our partner, Bet Online, is here to help you make your picks, with Bet Online being your number one source for football odds, stats, trends, and lines. With everything from point spreads to hundreds of bets from everything on the coin toss to the color of the Gatorade, Bet Online is the number one source for your championship wagering. So head to Bet Online and join today to get in on all the action. Bet Online, the game starts here. Welcome, everyone. It is the Fly Guys podcast. Justin Goodart alongside Cameron Klein. Cameron, you are sitting comfortably in Massachusetts where neither the New England Patriots or my hometown Philadelphia Eagles or your beloved Miami Dolphins are playing in this week's big giant Super Bowl. But we have a fun game to talk about just a little bit towards the tail end of the show. How are you doing today, buddy, on this, you know, kind of a boring Thursday afternoon, but still a Flyers game day, so can't be too boring. Yeah, it's not too, too bad. Uh, NBA trade deadline was today. Not that I really care too much about that. Sixers um, messed up big time, baby. Uh, I don't. I, and guess what? This guy doesn't care. Doesn't care. I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> looking for in-depth basketball. You're looking for in-depth uh, basketball analysis. Um, it's not here. Obviously, two guys you want to go to is uh, Cameron and Justin on this stuff. Yes. I'm, yeah. I I do like the Sixers. I follow them. Like, I, I oh, pay me, attention to Me too. Me too. So, I just... Don't, I'm not going to be – I refuse to be hurt by them. I'm hurt by enough teams. I refuse. But, yeah, is what it is. They're like the one team that I just I, – I never take seriously. I just don't because they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're just so comedic with the things that they do. Yeah. And I've gone into – I've gotten into fights with other people about this because they're just like, <laughs> so you take the Flyers seriously but not the 76ers? Yeah, kind of actually just because, you know, the Flyers, you know – People forget that there's like years and years of the Flyers actually making it to a Stanley Cup and making it to a third round and having faith that, you know, maybe this year might be the year that they get back to winning a Stanley Cup. The Sixers, only like one time in the last five years did I feel like this was a team that should make a run to the NBA Finals, and they did not get out of the second round. So I just, I don't take them that seriously. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm not gonna try to you know pick a fight here, but uh, yeah, man. I mean, um, only yeah. one team tanked on purpose to not get past the second round. Um, the other team didn't and has gotten further significantly more times in more recent history. The only th- so yeah, uh, I don't care. The only thing I'll say, the only thing I'll say is because people crap on the process constantly. The Boston Celtics pretty much started their process around the same time. Didn't get anywhere near the media attention for tanking that the Sixers got when they were tanking. And the Boston Celtics have, because apparently they're seen as like the much more successful than the Sixers in this process era. They have the same number of championships that the Sixers do. So I'm not, you know, fair, fair. No, that's Uh, fair. I think it's hard. I think it's hard to win a championship. But the Sixers make it especially frustrating when they just completely fill their diapers every Mm -hmm. year, especially around the Mm -hmm. trade deadline. And they made some bad trades. You know, they traded Pat Beverly, who, you know, I'm not like, I wasn't attached to Beverly, but it was a dumb trade. There was no reason. There was no reason to trade him. Yeah. Moving Um, on. I don't want to. I'm over this. I'm already over this. I'm bored out of my mind talking about this. I know, right? It's just, it's not fun. It's not fun. The Flyers, though, uh, got back to action and they played the Florida Panthers and Cameron going into that game. And they have a game tonight, by the way, as we're recording this. We're about 90 minutes away from puck drop against the Winnipeg Jets. On home ice at the Wells Fargo Center, the place the 76ers are trying to desert because they hate you, the fans. Now, they don't actually hate you, but, I mean, they kind of do. Uh, look at their trades, can you tell? But 
So we get through the all-star break. It's a five-game losing streak. The Flyers go down to Florida, one of the better teams in hockey, and they have so many good players. They have Barkov. They have uh, Verhage. They have Kachuk. They have player after player. They have Sam Reinhardt. And I'm thinking, I'm like, all right, so this losing streak is going to get to six, and I'm going to be pretty uh, – I'm going to be ready to be like, all right, everything considered, like when you look at the situation that is the Flyers – this is an understandable six-game losing streak. Hopefully they get out of it. Oh, oh, they're going to win the game? Oh, splendid. All right, cool. So we'll talk about something else then. Yeah, the Flyers fall behind after a dreadful first period, one to nothing off the power play goal. Penalty kill has not been a power kill of late. But second period comes, they play masterfully. They tie the game on a beautiful goal and a great feed, too, from Joel Farabee to Travis Konechny. And, oh, my God, Joel Farabee is becoming incredibly skilled with the puck. Then Noah Cates, who I have really enjoyed watching since he came back from the injury list. And he has a really nifty goal right in front of Anthony Stolarz. Uh, shout out, former Flyers goalie. We love you. Uh, feel free to come back now Stoli. that suddenly. Hey, Stoli, Stoli we might have a spot for you next year. But they get a win. In a situation where Cameron, once again, this is probably the fourth or fifth time this season where I went into a game expecting them to lose, okay with the idea that they were going to lose, they win the game. No, that's that, yeah, that's exactly what it was. Going into that game, I'm thinking, listen, Florida Panthers are a great team. Uh, they're one of the better teams in hockey right now. They're one of the more feisty teams in hockey right now. Yes, I want to get into Nick that. Cousins. I wanted to get into Nick Cousins in a second. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I just uh, going into it, I'm thinking to myself, listen, make it a game. That's all I want from you. This is mm-hmm. we have said it multiple times. John Torella has said it. The the key word for this season is progress, progression. Um, making sure you're just moving forward and not backward. Make it a game. Let if they left, if the Florida Panthers left that night and they're in the locker room saying, "Damn, that was tough." That's what I was happy with. Yep. And not only do they do that, they come away with a win. And I'm glad you brought up the Farabee pass because that was a great stretch pass from Sean Walker to get it out mm-hmm. there. Um, but Farabee, just just the IQ on the kid, and I, I, you know, I love tooting my own horn. His rookie season, I said it a thousand times in this podcast. He's in the right place at the right time, always. And if you just, if, if the more and more he hones his skills, the more and more the timing is going to be there. The more and more he's going to capitalize and produce. And it, just more and more I watch the kid, the more and more he does it. Noah Cates, a fan favorite for a reason. Like you said, I'm glad he's back from the injury. Yeah. Um, funnily like enough, since he's come back, he has, he has, and and funnily enough, still like the reason why we love John Tortorella talking about him. He goes, he's just not consistent enough. He's still, he's complimenting him, but he's also not letting it go to his head. He's still kind of mm-hmm. making sure the focus needs to be where the focus needs to be. I love it. Um, but going back to what I was talking about a little bit before, I did not think that when Nick Cousins left this team that he I didn't think he I was ever really gonna kind of hear about him again honestly no offense to him like that I just I just didn't I thought he was just gonna be a bottom line player and bounce you know back and forth between AHL and NHL he's made a pretty solid career for himself um not much of a point score or anything like that but to turn into probably the most hated NHL player in the league right now crazy right not what I was expecting from him. yeah like he, he looks too nice of a guy and <laughs> And then he's out there, uh, like I'm hearing, he's crushing heads. He's he's a rat. He's getting caught out by Kevin BX on NHL tonight. Yeah. I mean, like, 
I was like, what, what happened to my boy? Like, where, where did this come from? He was not, I don't remember him like this with Philadelphia, I, which I is liked... the more, you know, the, the more violent team, at least they have the persona of it. I, I just, what happened? I liked Nick. I actually really was kind of disappointed Same. it didn't work out in Philadelphia. But I mean, like you, I, I certainly didn't think that he was going to be, you know, a scrappy Brad Marchand level of hated type of guy thinking like, oh, you know, this guy, he might craft out like maybe a decent career. You know, he'll probably get you like maybe 10 goals a season on a good year, that kind of thing. Um, he bounced around. He went to, he was in Montreal at one point after mm-hmm. the Flyers, he went to Arizona. He was in Nashville. And then he ended up with, you know, Florida last year, you know, pretty, pretty decent, solid, you know, playmaker for, or I shouldn't say playmaker role player for them. Yes. Is part of that team that gets to the cup final. And I had no idea he had this level of bastard, you know, type play in him. I mean, he's a bastard, but he's one of the guys where I'm seeing him do this. And I'm like, I kind of love this. Like, I love this for him. I'm happy for him to see him become this. Now that now, of course, during the game, I'm like, you do one thing to any of my mm-hmm. guys. I'm mm-hmm. I'm going to want Rasmus Ristolainen to put you over the boards or or or. You know, because the Flyers constantly go 11-7, so who even knows if Nick Delorier is ever going to be in the uh, lineup again? But I'm like, I want, I need someone to do something to this guy if he does anything. Honestly, didn't really notice much. Uh, no. I missed half of the second period because I was driving home from Penn State Harrisburg. So if something happened in that time period, I just wasn't aware of it. But yeah, how about Nick Cousins? He was one of those guys. I was just like, eh, he'll be a nothing guy. Yeah. <laughs> Not nothing. Not nothing. Certainly not, not nothing. nothing. And like, like uh, you know, I didn't notice anything in the game either. But hey, listen, I mean, when Jason Zucker crushes your head from behind, <laughs> I, it kind of kind of shakes you up a little bit. And in Jason Zucker's defense, I, I kind of seeing the hit from Jason Zucker's perspective that Nick Cousins delivered before he delivered his hit. I mean, I dude, yeah. I would be pretty pissed off, too. I would be pretty mm-hmm. PO'd if I saw you get hit like that. You know what I mean? If I saw a teammate or a friend get hit like that i'm like okay all right if that's how we're gonna play it then then we're gonna play it that way and yeah jason zucker maybe went a little too far but it's, it's hockey sometimes uh as we all know sometimes we gotta we gotta police ourselves out here you know it's the wild yes. west it's the wild west out in the ice there now speaking of hits um i don't know if you had seen it i only just saw it today because you know i i saw that mikhail sergachev had his surgery Yes, yes. Uh the hit the the I guess the reverse hit from uh, Alexis Lafreniere. Um the first thing that I genuinely thought was, "Ooh, that's a nice reverse hit by Lafreniere. Like he does a good job, you know, bracing for the hit and being able to put it back into uh Sergachev. Unfortunate ugly injury to Sergachev where your leg is not supposed to go that way. It just bent the wrong way. Mm-hmm. But speaking of like, you know, hits and you know, because so many things, and, and especially hockey, and especially more that I watch more and more games, so many things are up for debate. Uh, we saw it was uh, the, from this. Was it from the? Wasn't from the San Jose Sharks? I think it was from the Winnipeg Jets. The the hit on the Pittsburgh Penguin, where Brendan Dillon, right? Yes, so yes. That, I just saw yeah. this. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. I know what so, you're talking about. So Dylan, you know, he hits the player on the Penguins. Um, you'll have to forgive me. I'm drawing a blank. It's on... um, Achieri. No Achieri. Achieri. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So Achieri. Looks... I'm not 100% sure how to pronounce it. I believe it's Achieri, though. So that hit looks bad and everything. And listen, by all, I mean, listen, Dylan puts his elbow and shoulder into the head. It's not going to look good. A lot of people were saying that Achieri was, you know, he was kind of leaning forward. So, you know, how much of that really is on Dylan? 
I still think it looks a little bad, even when you slow down. It goes. It looks like there's some extension there from Dylan. Not a lot, but I think there, there was is. some. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was trying to kill him or anything like that. There was questions about Lafreniere. Should that have been a penalty on Lafreniere for what had happened? Because the argument of a reverse hit is interference because you're not playing the puck, you're playing the body. I saw this really only in one tweet, but it did make me wonder because I don't think any of us have ever once considered a reverse hit to be dirty, to be illegal, no less. And I was kind of interested to see what your thoughts on that were because that's, I mean, you're right. You are playing the body. You're not, he was not playing the puck in that moment. Does that warrant an interference call? I'm I'm actually rewatching it right now. So as soon as you pulled it up, I wanted to see it again. Yeah. Um so I'm it's slow motion's coming up right now. I mean I'm interested. Uh, I'll give you my thoughts. Yeah, go ahead. Give me your thoughts. I want to hear your thoughts. My my initial thoughts are you you have a right to defend yourself out there. And yeah. Sergachev's coming at him hard. Nothing wrong with that. It's hockey. Uh what is Lafreniere supposed to do? Take the hit? dodge the hit he could dodge the hit he could try to do that but but then he's also kind of giving up the puck if Lafreniere dodges the dodges the hit gives up the puck Sergachev gets it they get it out of their zone mm-hmm. well then you're all everyone's upset at everyone in New York at least is upset at Lafreniere because well we have at least to be, a goal especially you know for right. Tampa Bay um so I you know I I think it's one of those things where that would not be subject for debate if Sergachev did not get injured. Sergachev getting injured was extremely unfortunate. It's it it sucks for him. I don't love to see that. But at the same time, I don't think Lafaniere did anything wrong. I don't think he did, would deserve to get penalized for simply knowing somebody's coming and bracing for the hit. I, I don't know what else he's supposed to do. So I do think when you slow it down, and that's what we love to do, right? We love to slow up replay down. We love to uh, microsecond by microsecond analyze it, it looks like it, it is interference. I think it is actually interference, but I don't think it's a type of interference that should ever be called one time. I think you are entitled to, as Cameron has already said, defend yourself. And the hit's innocent enough. I mean, it, yeah. Sergachev lost his footing. That's what happened. You know, it's not like it was a, it, you know, he... Lafreniere didn't leave his feet to try and him up high. I, I know Cameron's still looking at it. You can yeah. see him grimacing. It's not pretty. It's yeah, just the, not pretty at all. Seeing and the skate yeah, hope- just not snap back the yep. right way. When yeah, that's. I think that geez. like when players get hurt, and you know, we see it a lot, and we saw you know with a cherry with um with Pittsburgh, people get pissed, people get angry, and I I just keep coming back to this one thing that I will always think about with sports, no matter what, basketball, football, baseball, hockey. It's sports. Like you, there's a good chance you might get hurt. There's always going to be that risk. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that would be cause to say there are no, there like this shouldn't be a penalty. That shouldn't be a penalty. This is a case that you look at. You go, that is just an unfortunate play that should have never happened because 99% of the time that just results in Sergeyev just falling down. Then he gets back up and play continues, and no one even bats an eye at it. Exactly. Exactly. But because this happens now, a dialogue gets, you know, whether it's a real dialogue or not, and you be the judge of that, something gets opened and um, it sucks. And, I, you know, I hope Sergachev is able to recover. And he's been a great, unbelievable player for the Tampa Bay Lightning, especially yeah. in their cup runs. So, you know, hopefully this doesn't rob him of any, you know, ability to get back to the speed in which he plays at and especially in which the way Tampa Bay likes him to play. 
But yeah, it was an unfortunate injury. And yeah, while and, we're well, uh, really quick before, I just don't want to go away from the Dylan one. Um, yeah, I, I felt the same way as you. I don't. I don't think Dylan was intending to to try to clip him in the head at Sherry. I don't think he's was a dirty player in any way. However, it's one of those things of how it went down that mm-hmm. does deserve a penalty because yeah, the initial point of contact is is the head, and the I don't think he did it. Off. I mean, dude, the I, popped off. It was. It's. It's been a while since I've seen a hit where it's just the head getting contacted. I mean, it his head just only the snapped. head. Yeah. I mean, it was it was tough to watch, but I I think it's one of those things where I don't think he was a dirty player. I don't think he was trying to clip him on the head. However, at the same time, you have to be more careful than that. So sorry, Dylan, you got to be more careful. You you can't you can't be playing that recklessly anymore. It's a different kind of NHL. So. Speaking of hockey, I sent you uh, a tweet right before we started. You did. If there's one thing, so again, if you're new to the show, I just want to make it clear. Cameron, one thing that he loves, one thing that he loves, and you have to go back a bit of a ways to, I think it might have been like our fifth episode that we covered this. Man, that's a long time ago. Uh, the Flyers were playing the Columbus Blue Jackets in 2020. For those Flyers fans, it that was the game that Kevin Hayes had the overtime winner. Uh, it was beautiful, and then he does like the you know the the championship belt stuff, mm-hmm. and Travis Connect, he's chirping the hell out of you know Tortorella's um, Blue Jackets. But two things happened that game, and Cameron talks about it like in the first five or so minutes of the episode. He says two goals went in, and nobody knew what happened, and that quickly became kind of like Cameron's thing. Cameron's favorite thing in the world is when a puck goes in the net, and the referees don't even know. Well, that recently happened, as it turns out, one more time, and this time, Cameron. They did eventually get it right because they had to have the help of the horn, the, hey, this this goal actually happened horn. You might want to review it. That went off. And so the Minnesota Wild were entrenched in a game with the Chicago Blackhawks. And the, the uh, Blackhawks have the puck. And they fired it. And it hits pipe. Comes out. Play continues for probably another 45 seconds. And then the horn goes off. And then it's like the oh yeah, a goal was just scored horn. Cameron, we pay these refs. I don't know how much money. I don't know what their <laughs> CBA agreement is. I have no idea what good goes into their agreement. You are playing the game of hockey where the goal is to score a a goal by putting the puck in the back of the net, or at least just have it fully cross that red line, which as we all know, it's always a clean, clean process in and of itself and never gets, you know, fucked up with. There's never, but, there's never a debate. There's never debates, right? <laughs> so here's my question to you. How is it possible that even after all this time, the puck can go in the net and nobody knows it for over a minute before we have a goal call? What makes this one particularly ridiculous, it hits the camera. It broke the camera. It broke the net camera. Like, <laughs> immediately. And... Like, don't be wrong. Watching it, I knew there was a goal. So I, I'm watching it biased in my mind saying, like, yeah, there, there's a goal here. But I just, at the same time, even from my angle, you see the camera move in yep. while it's happening live. I don't I don't know how you hear that, see that, and don't don't notice that. And like, then there's, there, like, there's, like, four more scoring opportunities after that. They just, they're still just, like, slamming away. It's <laughs> just... And then just goes out to neutral and there's goal horn, I guess, whatever. You guys almost just cut your heads off and, and got knocked out multiple times, but it was good. It was a goal. And then watching the replay where you just see it coming directly at the camera. 
Like the, and by the way, is the camera off in the corner where you might, you know, it's hard to tell? No, the camera's in the middle of the net. It's in the middle. And Smack I think a, dab in the middle. And it looks Smack like, dab. in the replay, it looks like maybe something on the camera broke off. So if you're the ref and you mm-hmm. notice like, something, the cam- like, wait, did I just see something fall in the net? Wait, oh, uh, we might have a goal here. I, maybe the refs can't stop the play in that moment. Maybe they already. Maybe they knew. Maybe someone was like, "Ah, it's a goal. I gotta, I got, I, but I can't now. I, I gotta, you know. Now I gotta wait." Can you imagine that being like? Imagine that was like a playoff game, like an overtime playoff game, and that happens, and you're looking like, "I know a goal was just scored, but I didn't call it, and now we're just kind of skating around." You're that like, would be on. me if I was a ref. If I was a ref, I'd be like, "Hey guys, guys." Begging for a puck stoppage because your ultimate nightmare is the other team goes down the length length of the ice, scores a, like a game winning goal, and then you're like, "Yeah, so like five minutes ago, uh, you lost." Could you could you imagine the rush starts going the opposite way, and then you're just some refs just frantically blowing the whistle, just like no, 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 no. Imagine if that was the Flyers this year. Imagine Tortor having to go to John Tortorella oh and tell him God. like, "Hey, hey, um, so uh." You lost, actually, and we're going to tell everyone in about three seconds that you lost. And can you just, like, help us not get k- killed out there? Tortorella would look at you and be like, you know what? Whatever happens to you, happens to you, and I oh, don't yeah. care. Tortorella is a big responsibility, accountability guy, and he says, hey, he you blew it. You blew that. You can go ahead. I think other than Torts, the worst coach as of right now to do that to would probably be Patrick Waugh because I think he might actually try to attack you. He might, tr- he he'll might get a goal stick and slash at you. Yeah, you, uh, he'd be the last I guy mean, I'd want to do that to. Paul Maurice is probably not someone you want to tell that to either. Paul's no-nonsense guy. He's funny, but he's definitely no-nonsense. Yeah. I mean, like, there I, aren't too many NHL coaches that are nonsense coaches anyway, but... um, Yeah, I, I mean, like, I would say Tortorella's a funny guy too, but, you know, there, there's... A, there's, there's, not, there's times there's, when he's not very funny. There's times for jokes and there's times for seriousness. And yeah, But there's also time when he's thoughtful, one. right? There's times yeah. when he's thoughtful. Yeah. And we saw yeah. we saw a side of that this past week when posted on Twitter was a letter that a Flyers fan, not a kid by the way, not a not a child that was just writing about how much he loves the Flyers to to his to the head coach of the Flyers. No, no, no. A, a grown adult simply writing to the head coach of the Flyers, <laughs> complimenting the team about how how much how fun they are now t- to watch, you know, and that he appreciates. I think our what friendship doing. would be a huge home run. <laughs> When you sent that letter to me, I just I saw Mac. I just saw Mac. <laughs> I, did you have a dad growing up? Me either. <laughs> but this is what happens. John Tortorella yeah. took the time to respond to this fan, not by calling him, but by a handwritten letter. And I'll tell you what, people, I, I there's not enough of that in the world. We need more handwritten letters. Hand, have you ever gotten a handwritten letter, Cameron? It's a good yeah. feeling, in my opinion. Someone took the time to put ink onto paper with the intention of writing to you. I th- I think that counts for something. No, and I think also like with with their handwriting in a way, it's almost like you can quite literally hear their voice through their handwriting yeah. in a way. You know what I mean? Like, I, like it's, it's I was, very you know if I was going to be audited by the IRS, right? I would want a handwritten letter because I would want to know that they care before they absolutely eviscerate me in an. Dear audit. Justin, you're <laughs> fucked. Good luck, buddy. Get those receipts out. <laughs> you, we need to collect the last ten years of receipts. It's like, oh man, God, I throw I, out every every receipt, yeah, all of them, all of them, all of them. Don't I mean, throw I, out your receipts, people. You really we, should keep them. 
we do have like credit card statements and stuff though so i mean it, it's not like it would be you know anything insane yeah, but even I, then I, it's still a it's still a pain oh my god it's, yeah i would that would be that's a nightmare it's a nightmare. but 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 john tortorella took the time to write yes. this fan uh this uh, fan's name is Brian, and I only know that because John Tortorella wrote his name out, and that's just a nice thing to do. He says, uh, thanks for your letter. I can feel your love of sport through reading your letter. We are going to try like hell to get this right with the Flyers. Thanks for your thoughts. Signed, Torts. He wrote, really wrote Torts, which makes it even better that he embraces his nickname of Torts because mm-hmm. that's a great nickname. I texted Cameron, and I'm sure a lot of you felt the same after seeing that. Maybe some of you didn't. And if you didn't, man, you need to thaw out your heart. But this is an example where, I mean, how can you not just love him, Cameron? How can you not love the fact that he's here? That he's here and chose us to try and fix? There's other NHL teams he could have chosen. He chose us. And and uh, I felt the same way you did. I loved him, but mostly out of a... a I love what he was. He was able to do. He was a great coach. Won a Stanley Cup with Tampa Bay. Great coach with the Rangers. Not so great with Vancouver. Yeah. Um, but not with Vancouver. The, he then goes to Columbus. He milks them. He squeezes them like a lemon. Gets everything out of them. Gets them to their first playoff win against the Tampa Bay Lightning, which were the best team in the league that year at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, just an overall great coach. His track record speaks for itself. But I also loved him most because he was entertaining. He was fun to watch. He would call out reporters and call out his own players sometimes and it was just it was a sense of realism too that you don't always get in hockey you get a lot of the same cookie cutter answers you know pucks in deep uh we gotta win the four check battles just the normal normal crap and it was interesting where there's a character who is vibrant is colorful um and that was always john Tortorella. but to get him where he is now and i said this when they first hired him when we first had eric reese on um talking about his hiring that i just I think he was the perfect person for where the Flyers were at. And I think a big part of that is because he's the perfect person for today's day and age. He is a brush of fresh air. His mindset on on things is a breath of fresh air. Everything I, I feel so much through social media, through pressures of the outside world all the time, it's all about immediate results all the time. And never so many, so many people and so many things I feel go wrong because they're more focused on the immediate results rather than the process of actually getting to those results and actually improving yourself rather than just trying to get the satisfaction of something. And John Tortorella speaks to that. Throughout his entire time coaching with this team, it's never been, this guy's not good enough, this guy's that, this guy's this. It's, we're trying. Always. He never, he expects out of his players, but he doesn't he doesn't make those expectations anything unrealistic. He expects them not to, to put up 40 goals a year, not to be point-per-game players. He simply expects them to show up, to yep. work, yes. to try to improve, and to stay focused. And that's all he can ask for. That's all anybody can ask for out of anybody. And it, uh, I just... Yeah. It makes me very happy that at this point in my life personally, and this point in in the world that we live in, that there's somebody who's focused simply on Shut off the outside noise. Focus on yourself. Nothing else matters. And regardless of the results, regardless if you win or if you lose, that doesn't matter. There's a, a quote that I'm not sure where it first came from. I remember hearing it in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, you have you strive per, for perfection. You're never going to get there. But it's the pursuit that matters. Mm-hmm. And 
that is what John Sorrell's mindset is that I think is what is what's perfect for this team. And I think it's a perfect mindset for life in general. You don't you might not always get to where you want to go. You might not get to to the, the the golden ticket or whatever it is you're striving for. But that doesn't stop you from trying. And at the end of the day, if you can go to bed and you can lay your head down on your pillow and you can say, I did everything I could. I put everything out there. Then you have success. I mean, you really could not have put it better. Uh, I, I go back to a video that someone that we went to school with, um, Cole Chipielli, who played running back for Shippensburg. He puts great out like senior year. A, great senior year. Yeah, he's crushed it. Lo- absolutely loved Cole, especially yeah. when I worked for the football team. He was a fun guy. Um, he puts out like these motivational videos, like on his Instagram and all that stuff. And he, he had one video. I, I forget when he made it, but he had this message of you know you have two choices in life. You know, you can get better or you can get worse. And he goes on to kind of talk about like seizing opportunities and just that kind of stuff. But I do think there is something to be said about a lot of people are very, you know, instant gratification is a must. And sports is probably one of the most heinous offenders of that instant gratification. You need your quarterback to go win a Super Bowl in year one that he's starting. You need your first overall pick in the NHL to go and score 60 goals and have 180 assists and break every single record that Wayne Gretzky ever had. You need that. Or else you risk just being labeled as a, a bust, a failure. You know, the, the noise comes down, especially in these big-time hockey markets, Toronto, Montreal, uh, to name a few. And John Tortorella is very much someone that, from the onset of getting this job, everyone's got to get better. And even on a good day, they still need to get better. He talks about it with Bobby Brink a lot, or when, when Bobby was still up with the team. Talks about how he drives him crazy. TK, drives him crazy. Great player, drives me crazy. Noah Cates, hey, he's inconsistent. Like, there is, there is never a moment, I, I really don't think, and I'd love, I'd, love to ask, I'd love to ask him one time if he thinks that there's a player that he ever coached where that player was a like was perfect and didn't need to get better or anything just needed to continue to hone his skills. I'm going to go with a 100% chance he would look at me and be like absolutely not. That's that doesn't work in life. That's not how it yeah. works. But all too often we do get with this, you know, sense of impatience, which makes rebuilds sometimes so horrible to go through because you you don't want to be in one because you people mm-hmm. think that one year of success, it will say if the Flyers make the playoffs this year, it means that, oh, it's over. We're good. We, we got it. No, it's not. Because success is not linear. And, and John seemingly knows this and seemingly knows, like, we're going to try like hell to get this right. We're going to try like hell. A lot of people will be like, well, no, you're, you're succeeding now. He's not saying it. Look, th- that wording tells me that he doesn't think we're anywhere near the finish line. Hmm. And, we're, and we're not. We're not. So... I appreciate a coach that is real and is honest about a situation that he's in because a coach's job, as much as we don't like to really think about this aspect, part of a coach's job is to kind of sell the team a little bit. We see it all the time. Like the coach's job is kind of to make it seem like the team is a lot better. We're going to go out there. We're going to fight hard. We're going to try and win every game, but you won't though. Like you're gonna have clunkers. You're gonna right. lose. You're gonna allow five goals in two periods to the Boston Bruins right before the All Star break. That's gonna happen. Yeah. And and then what? I just really appreciate this level of dedication that he has to a fixing the Flyers, b just being real with the fans. 
Yeah. From yes. ever since he got here, he's yeah. just so real with the fans. Both him and, and the new regime and Keith Jones and Daniel Briere just absolutely, such a and they deserve as much air. credit as I'm giving towards right now. That's a great point. Yeah. At those two and how they've handled things, this has been a weird season. Your one of your top prospects doesn't want to play for you. Your 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 starting goaltender is probably gone for good, and you got to find a way in the midst of all this to take a team that's playing well above expectation and decide: Are we going to sell? Are we going to, you know, not sell everything we could possibly sell? Do we want to make the playoffs? Do we not want to make the playoffs? These are not easy decisions. But John Tortorella said it best. We're going we're going to try to win every game. Like, we're not going into these games to lose. But here's also reality striking you in the face. I I don't I don't stand many people. Cameron knows this. I don't stand players because players come and go. I really don't do it with coaches. Coaches come and go. But... He is an exception for me. I, I will always talk very, very highly of the man. Faults and all, I, I really do find him to be someone that that is great for life lessons, not just hockey yeah. lessons. And that's that's why I think I like him so much, is it's not just a hockey thing. It's it's the way he looks at life. And you said it, success is not linear. Life is not linear. It's going to be a lot of... <laughs> A lot of up and down. Life and success is not just the highs and the highs. It's it's you getting knocked down, looking at life and saying, nice shot, and mm-hmm. getting back up. And I think John Tortorella is the perfect person to instill that mindset, both in, in the in, on the rink and at home. And he said that when he first got hired. I don't just want to make them better hockey players. I want to make them better men. I love the guy. Absolutely. And I'm I'm just really looking forward to the rest of the season. He he makes the season look uh, or worth looking forward to. Absolutely. Um, real quick, just want to take a quick step aside. Uh, got a quick ad to play for you, and then we'll come back. We got to talk about the Super Bowl, so stay with the Fly Guys podcast. Welcome back. That's our first time we've ever broke for an ad, Cameron. Like we didn't do it. We put in the ad obviously last time, but yeah. we didn't break for an ad. Yeah. Um. All right. Aki talk side. Something else is going on this week, obviously. Yeah. You know yeah. it. I know it. Patrick Mahomes, you know, talks about <laughs> Brock Purdy not, you know, being like, oh, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised by Brock Purdy being up here and Brock Purdy being compared to Lee Harvey Oswald. That was okay. I wasn't ready for that one. That was that was good. That was a very good impression by you. I I will be honest. I got to give you props for that. Wow. Thank you. I, I've been working on my Kermit the Frog impression. I can't, it works with him. So yeah, it does. It does. I can't do him at all. At all. That was solid, though. That was solid. But yes, yes. So, all right, Brock Purdy. Yeah, got, d- was asked about, like, hey, you know, there's been a – someone drew, like, a comparison in looks between you and Lee Harvey Oswald. And, look, as much as I hate the 49ers, Brock Purdy handled this about as well as I probably did. He was like, oh, uh, okay, yeah, not really feeling that comparison. What, you yeah, mean you don't want to be com- – what, what do you say to that? I, it's it's like, it's the worst questions. This is what I hate about Super Bowl Media Day, is that you know a lot of people or a lot of I guess news organizations that don't typically cover sports. You know they're like tabloids and all that stuff. They they come in with like you know their own little storyline and everything like that, or maybe something that they can get the player to say that'll make a good article. Listen, you do your job how you got to do your job. I understand you got to you know you got a family to feed. Uh, with that being said, it doesn't make your question any less stupid. It's, I mean that's <laughs> what do you think of that? Right. Oh, what do I think of it? Uh, you know what? I, I was a big fan of his work. Um, Grassy Knolls is a great uh, concept. Like, dude, 
Could you ask him like another question? Like, oh, did you, you know, did you find any grassy knolls at Iowa State when you played for the Cyclones? You probably didn't even, I'll bet you didn't even know he played for the Cyclones. I did not. I did not. That's because I don't pay to college ball. <laughs> I wasn't but, even talking to you, but you know. Yeah, no, dude. Uh, I just, I just, yeah. My whole thing is like, what, like, ask, ask, ask him his favorite color instead. What, like, that's so much better. Because my whole thing with, with, as, and you and I both know, we both went to journalism school, kind of. I mean, went to school for journalism. Um, you're, when you're asking a question, you're, the idea is like, well, what, what kind of answer are you trying? You're trying to, you're trying to gear toward an, an answer, not like a specific yes. answer, but you're just trying to gear towards something that you can write. A sound bite, something to make it sound good. What you? What is he going to say to that? I, what is he going to say to that? I didn't hear I've, that. Thank God I didn't hear that. Thank God I'm not watching this crap, dude. I, I haven't been watching much of Super Bowl Media Week. Now I will tell you this right now: for those who like Super Bowl Media Week, all power to you. I think that's great. I watched. I know you know. I got to turn my camera so camera can. I watched Media Week last year with the Eagles. Because in Super Bowl Fifty Two, I didn't watch a damn minute of it because I wanted because I was too nervous about the game because I was like I just want my first Super Bowl. That's all I want. Fair. And I got it. So last year I'm like you know I'll watch a little bit of it, and by Wednesday, I was just get me to this stupid football game. I just want to play this stupid <laughs> football game, and I just want the Eagles to get their second ring. The 16-hour pregame show that was on Fox talking about how Patrick Mahomes, when he was younger, picked up a blade of grass, and somehow that led to him being the best quarterback in football today. I couldn't do it anymore. Now, I think some players give really good answers. Tom Brady, you'll be shocked to learn this, has had a lot of practice at these types of answers because he's been in the game quite a few amount of times. So I think a kid asked him who his hero was, which, is, by the way, is a better question that a kid asked that than an actual credentialed reporter being like, what do you think that you kind of look like Lee Harvey Oswald? And Tom Brady said, my father is my hero. Perfect answer. No issues. Move on. Media week is terrible. It's become horrible. And Alshon Jeffrey, the best sound clip in the world, just being like all this, you know, whatever is terrible. And then someone's like, what you might, you know, he goes, what do you think of the cold? We're playing indoors. (laughs) Yeah, but if you weren't. Okay, but we're playing into. Do you see this? Do you see this madness that we have to go through? And all along, Cameron, the reason I'm bringing this whole media week up is because you and I haven't even talked about the fact that there's a game on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, it's a big one. It's kind of a it's big, big one. one. It's kind of like the most important sporting event of the year for the United States of America. Yeah, yeah, it keeps breaking records every year. It keeps breaking, and it will again. It will again because everyone's favorite singer, everyone, everyone's favorite Grammy winner is going to be there. And I have no gripe with her. I'm going to say that right now. I'm going to make it publicly known. Right now, I have no issues with Taylor Swift at all. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of people saying how they're angry that they see her, all kinds of stuff. Shut your eyes then. Turn the channel off. I don't know it's what to tell you. It's also not her fault. It's, it's right. you know, you, you hate CBS then for the amount of times that they'll pan up. Right. They're going to do it. If you're annoyed by it, turn the cheek. Dude, it, it's not that big of a deal. She's there trying to write her next album for when she breaks up with Travis Kelsey. Okay? Leave her alone. All right? Just let her live here's, her life. Who cares? I wonder, I don't, I don't, I feel like this would be too hard of a bet to like place or anything like that. Is she, if, if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, is a marriage between Travis and, and Taylor more likely than it is as of right now? Oh, you're saying like win or loss? That is a, that is a fair question. So if they win the Super Bowl, are they more, less, or about the same amount of likely to get married as they are as we talk here on February 8th, before, days before the Super Bowl? 
That's that you you could dissect that as if you were in a science classroom, my friend. I I, mean, I would argue they're more likely to make it happen if they lose. I would think so too because the vibes are high. Vibes but at are the same higher. time, that also might make. Listen, we've all seen Travis in his heyday. He he parties. Okay, yeah. he, he gets out there. So Taylor he might, might see a side of him that she doesn't want to see. This is this. This is the listen, thing about relationships, are, you know, when you're in these big questions that you got to you got to find a way to answer. Yeah, and when you're in you these X factor moments, you know, you can be sure. You know what? Check the wager bet online partnered with them. So make sure that, you know, check out check out all the odds. They're yeah. top on the odds, tra- uh, stats and trends. But maybe it's on there. We don't know. But, you, you know, check probably it out, you not. Know. But honestly, <laughs> hey, they should hop on that. Um, Now, the other thing that I was going to mention with this game is. It's a tale of two teams that have had wildly different regular seasons. The Chiefs were a sputtering, leaky mess throughout the year. They had lost to Philadelphia. They had lost to Buffalo. They had really disappointing losses against the Las Vegas Raiders. It was not looking great for them. They even lost to the Denver Broncos, a team they hadn't lost to in like eight years. Uh, The 49ers, on the other hand, outside of like, a little tiny stretch, a three-week stretch of, you know, having problems, have they ran through their schedule. Destroyed the two other powerhouses in the NFC in Philadelphia and Dallas during the regular season. They did beat the Niners in the regular season, or not the Niners, the Lions in the regular season, and then they play that really crazy NFC championship game. They're, they have been a, a wagon and led by Christian McCaffrey. Brock Purdy is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL this season. Debo Samuel, another great year. George Kittle, he's getting up there a little bit in age and is not quite the same level of dominance that he was about four or five years ago, but still putting together another Pro Bowl caliber season, still mm-hmm. showing that he's a top five tight end in football. This is a really great offense, and it's such a good offense that you almost forget about how lethal the defense is. Patrick, or not, I almost said Patrick Warren, Patrick Willis, Fred Warner, and Dre Greenlaw, and they have um, Javon Hargrave, who was a former Eagle last year, they have Nick Bosa, they have Chase Young, they have so many players. Cameron, how could you not like the 49ers in this game? How do you not favor them? Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> and here's the thing, here's the thing, you you did bring up a lot of their great defensive players. Chase Young, I mean, I that the kid. I mean, talk about blow potential. Talk about uh, kind of a draft bust. I mean, mm-hmm. watching his effort on the field is just—it's disheartening at times. And John he takes Tarotta a lot of plays off. I agree. Would never. He would never allow that on his team. But anyway, I'm not here. We're done about John Terrell. But I think the things that we we didn't mention was the secondary. Uh, the San Francisco secondary, which isn't quite as strong as it was in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if. The Chiefs offensive line can hold up, which they have done pretty well. They did pretty damn well against the Baltimore Ravens. Mahomes is going to be able to get it downfield. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just, then it comes down to the other side of the ball. And as explosive and as as exciting San Francisco's offense is, that defensive line is not. Chris Jones is is a problem. he's, He's the one guy. He's the one guy you got to be thinking about. He is the most, as of right now, in this year in the NFL, he's the most disruptive defensive lineman in the NFL, hands down. Him being out of the lineup and being in the lineup due to the contract dispute earlier this season, it was night and day, that defense. Yes. And he just continues to disrupt. 
Brock Purdy is an extremely accurate quarterback. I like the guy. I have nothing against him. But if when he's going to start to feel that pressure, I'm not sure what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Whereas if Mahomes feels that pressure, I am sure what he's going to do because I've seen it before and he's won games with it. I want the 49ers to win. But if mm-hmm. I were to put money on it, I would have to go with the Chiefs. You have to prove to me that they can't do it. But Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, who somehow still just is just open all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. I don't understand. I mean, I do. He's great. Andy Reid's great. It's all of those things combined. But my goodness, man, the middle of the field, 10 yards off the line of scrimmage, every play, every play. I mean, he's every every Swifty knows where he is, but the defense doesn't. How do you, how did you let this happen over and over again, dude? It's terrible. But well, I just yeah, as as exciting as the 49ers are, and I agree with you. I think they are as of this season a better built team all yeah. around. I just think I just think the the 49ers are going or the the Chiefs are just going to have the better moments they're going to know when to turn it on, when to turn it off. And I think Mahomes throughout the last couple of seasons, and I think it came from losing that Super Bowl against Tampa Bay against Tom Brady. I think he learned from him in the way of he knows how to win a football game. He knows to keep that offense off the field. He knows short dink and dunk passes just to keep the clock moving, keep their offense on ice, keep that hot offense cold all day long, keep the time of possession with them themselves, dictate the game and go from there. And I just, my money is on the Chiefs personally. I think the most lethal thing that the NFL allows to happen with the Super Bowl is you get an extra week to prepare. Andy Reid's pretty good when he needs when he gets time. When he has time, he's a problem. He's probably the best. If Steve Spagnola, two weeks to prepare against that offense. I think you could say the very listen. You could say the same thing about Kyle Shanahan, one of the best offensive minds in the NFL, maybe True. the very best offensive mind in the NFL. True. I thought the Eagles were the better team on paper last year, and I really still believe in my heart they should have won that Super Bowl over Kansas City. Yeah, I'm still better, but the better team in the regular season doesn't mean anything to me. Who you are in the playoffs, that's what matters. And the Kansas City Chiefs have rewritten the story of their season in these playoffs with impressive showings against Miami, impressive showings against the Buffalo Bills, and impressive showing, obviously, against the Baltimore Ravens, where they just stopped Lamar Jackson, the probable MVP, from doing anything that he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, for that reason, and for that reason, really, the main reason, I like the Chiefs. I really do, and I think that they're going to become the first repeat champion since the 2003 and 2004 New England Patriots, which teams that the uh, Patriots beat, the 2003 Carolina Panthers, good team, really good on paper, not better than the Patriots, obviously, and then a very star-studded Philadelphia Eagles team, much like the star-studded San Francisco 49ers team, but if you go back and watch that Super Bowl, it was painfully obvious who the better team was. It was painfully obvious if you were an Eagles fan. Not painful if you were a Patriots fan that day. Could be. Could be. Uh, before so, we go, I, I do want to just want to say it, today today's a very special day. Today's my wife's birthday. Oh. My wife, Olivia. I have to say it. Olivia! Happy birthday. The love of my life. Um, my best friend. 
the person who I would not be able to get through life without is always there for me, is always there to pick up the pieces. Um, when this mess of a puzzle falls apart, which is often, um, I can't ask for more from her. My love of my life. Happy birthday. I love you. Olivia, you're wonderful. Happy birthday. And they better win on her birthday. The Flyers better just win tonight, right? Like, they, they better not lose on your wife's birthday. They got no choice. They got no choice. <laughs> got no choice. Like Rachel John Tortorella would no not choice. allow it. <laughs> no, no, he won't. I, if, and if he doesn't, he's going to get a letter. He's going to get another letter. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the Fly Guys podcast is presented by Bet Online. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Fly Guys Podcast. Be sure to also follow us on Instagram. Cameron, I just want to make sure it's the same handle as our Twitter, right? It's just at Fly Guys Podcast. I'm going to double check. I believe so. It's either Fly Guys Podcast or Fly Guys Pod. Pulling it up, pulling it up. It is. Yes, Fly Guys Podcast. That is correct. At Fly Guys Podcast. Be happy. Be healthy. And as always, let's go Flyers. Enjoy the game tonight, everyone.